Hey everybody, I'm Jordan Tenenbaum, the host of the Saligo Technology Leaders podcast. I'm joined as usual by my co-host Mark Simon, our Vice President of Strategy, as well as Asad Sadiqi, the CIO of Saligo. Asad, great to have you here, man. How are you doing today? Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. How are you guys? Doing real well. Appreciate you. Fantastic. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Mark. Yes, it is absolutely an honor to have our CIO on the podcast. We've been uh, this has been in the works for a while, but I want to break open with a question that I like to ask our guests. And I think probably a lot of people want to know about you because you are a CIO with a story past of a large uh, technology uh, technology company. Um, but could you tell us a little bit about your story and kind of how you got to where you are um, in terms of being our CIO? Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, I've, um, in terms of my being a CIO and, uh, and, and how I got here, um, I mean, I've always intrigued um, by engineering, by technology uh, when I was growing up. Um, so my curiosity led me to build products that people can use every day. Um, I started my career as a software engineer for a fintech organization, uh, building a product for large banks, global banks uh, who use the product to engage their customers. So I wanted to understand how businesses operate. That curiosity took me into business technology where I consulted as a solution architect for a while, solving uh, complex challenges and scaling scale problems for those businesses and working with various departments in the, in the process. This exposure actually gave me uh, different perspectives and introduced me to various industries and verticals. Like, and, and that helped me transition into where I am today in supporting enterprises, scaling growth. And, you know, as they say, like rest is history. I mean, it got me uh, into a role where I am now supporting Saligo's scale and their transformation and their uh, growth as an iPaaS company. That's awesome, man. That's a, a very fantastic intro into the life of Assad. Um, I feel like I have a pretty good grasp on iPaaS. I know Mark has a very good grasp on iPaaS. Um, for our listeners out there, if you were going to describe iPaaS and what Saligo does in the iPaaS space, what would you tell them that we do? Maybe a super simple uh, explanation and then perhaps a more complex technical explanation, if you don't mind. Hmm. Um, a super simple explanation would be um, an iPaaS is a product uh, that allows businesses to automate workflows and business processes, right? Um, in this context of like iPaaS and business process automation, um, I would think Saligo's primary value prop is that it easily creates or help creates integrations between systems and applications. So data uh, can flow smoothly, uh, create efficiency in the process and create efficiency for people who are involved in the process, right? Um, I think the, uh, the problems that we solve for, uh, for various industries and verticals, um, some examples I can share are e-commerce, retail, high-tech, SaaS, et cetera. Typically, we run uh, we run into customers that want to solve e-commerce type of problems, uh, basically automating their uh, front office, Amazon, Shopify storefronts with back office applications, right? For large, mid-sized customers, we have automated a lot of uh, workflows and business processes. We're basically hired to retire, code to cash, procure to pay, those kind of things, right? Um, in, in a little bit more technical sense, I think iPaaS um, is a combination of uh, a few flavors of you know, features within it, right? One is like it's, it can just be used as an integration platform 
which talks to one system and another. It can also be used in a hub, hub and spoke model where we basically have uh, an iPaaS connected to a data warehouse where all data is being sent to data warehouse from various different systems. And then that becomes the API into other systems and other business processes, right? So in, the, in that process, we have also automated a lot of data warehousing and data management solutions for our customers. That's awesome. I, I think that's a fantastic um, intro. No matter how technical our listeners are, I think they, they should have a pretty good grasp on that. So thank you for explaining that, Asad. Mark, it looked like you were about to jump in. Yeah, yeah, Jordan. I, you know, Asad, I want to ask a question. Um, I get this posed a lot to me, especially people that have been in technology for a long time, say, you know, 20 plus years. They're like, they, they hear that explanation. They're like, I'm going to sit and they think and they'll be like, okay, so you guys, so you guys are like a, a middleware solution. Um, well, as an Soligo, as an iPass, are we a middleware solution? How are we? Are we? Or are we like similar to the, some of the legacy middleware solutions that people know from from 15, 20 years ago? Yeah, I would say we are more than a middleware solution. I think I think the the differentiation for Soligo uh, as an iPass versus some other tools that I've previously used or my teams have previously used is Soligo has a focus on of, of the end user uh, using the tool. It makes it so much easier for a Saligo customer to build integration. It's a very guided AI-based workflow that we've created where we have basically walked through uh, a user in building our flows and connecting, connecting applications together. Um, and, and this actually helps in faster time to value, even for business technologies uh, who are up and coming, uh, folks who want to actually build integrations themselves versus heavily depend on IT to always code the integration for themselves. So, so the trend these days is to move to more and more low code solutions. And if an iPaaS can do that and have that ability, ability or agility to scale the business, uh, while while actually being uh, being less dependent on IT resources, I think that's a game changer. That's interesting. It, it it just really speaks to the fact that iPaaS fits into the needs into the mold of a modern enterprise. Where within a modern enterprise, the IT teams are are typically stressed. They typically don't have a lot of time. They are often under resourced, and iPaaS, specifically Soligo, being a low-code, no-code platform really enables the folks that aren't as technical as the IT team to begin to um, make more efficient kind of every single thing that they do. And I just, I think, Mark, that was a fantastic way to pose that question because it really does set Soligo apart. Yeah, um, I, some some of us spent a lot of time talking about that day to day, and that's that that was a really good distillation of it, right? It's it's you know, and regardless of whether you're you've got a, a big existing integration team or you're starting automation integration for the first time, or maybe you're a partner and you're you're building out a practice, right? This has a the the tools you choose, and whether you choose modern tools that. It, that, that leverage a business technologist, and, and that was a, that's a that's a key term there that that you used Asad. That a business technologist is not a software engineer. Mm -hmm. uh, very different skill sets, and well, there's some overlap, and that's great. It it changes the dynamic of of uh, in your staffing of your teams, mm -hmm. and not that you still don't 
leverage software developers and, and, you, and you should because it's sometimes better to do coded things in the in the platform but um that approach really changes how you, how you staff compresses your projects it's it's, it's it, you know provides a lot of value to not have to to leverage you know as many traditional developers and and tech savvy business users or, or business technologists as gartner calls is really key yeah, yeah. And I think in addition to that, right, I mean, one is how you help the user guide through a process of building a simple uh, to medium complexity integration. You The ability to have um, connectors built and leveraging those connectors to connect applications, I think that's also uh, a, a huge um, advantage to any iPaaS going into going into a newer space or or, or, or selling into a customer. Um, I think that's very attractive. And at least to me, when I have previously evaluated iPaaS, I always felt time to value is very important when you are bringing an iPaaS into the space. And uh, having connectors always helps. It reduces the amount of time and effort and energy someone has to spend in understanding uh, the data elements that connect to different systems. And if, uh, if there's a connector already doing that, I think uh, I think people leveraging that would be really benef uh, would really benefit from it. Yeah, that always helps. I mean, so are, are you trying to say that your stakeholders don't give you an infinite amount of time to get everything done? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, well, so, so I'm curious with with what you said in mind, Asad, mm -hmm. the fact that, well, and you too, Mark, but just the fact that the um, employment landscape can can be shaped and changed by a powerful iPaaS tool, meaning that you need less software developers and and more business technologists. Um, have have you changed the way that you look at iPaaS or build an iPaaS product? to ensure that that's the case across enterprise use cases? Uh, maybe state that question again. I want to understand really like, uh, um, Sure, so let me, let me see if I can um, do that. I, I guess the best way I can ask that is, are you keeping these low code, no code business technologists in mind as you build a platform? Like how are you building Saligo specifically to enable those people to succeed? I guess that's a, a better way to phrase it. And you're muted. Yeah. Just heads up. And even before we jump into that question, if I was listening to this, I'd, I'd be asked for the first time. And it's the first time I heard this conversation. I'd ask myself, well, okay, I think I know what a business technologist, but maybe i'm not quite sure what what really is a business technologist because then that informs how that impacts everything else yeah i think what a business technologist is is someone as you said mark previously right is it's not a engineer it's not from a technical background but they know enough to use a tool that is intuitive and easy enough to use and build something like an integration Right or an automation, uh, automation which is a workflow, a set of step-by-step -step mm -hmm. tasks being automated. Right. So a business technology is someone, someone who is closer, closer to the business, maybe within the business organization. They understand the business process really well. They're close to it. They know who are the personas involved in the business process, and and what can be done to create efficiencies for those people. Right. So they're very close to that business process. And they can, if they have technology in hand, 
that they can take and which is intuitive enough and they can start building a workflow, automate a business process. And it's a huge win for that business technologist as well as that department where they are building these automations. And at the same time, I think it's a huge win from an overall overall IT perspective as well, because for some of these tasks, which are not highly strategic enough, which do not require a lot of complex logic, if business technologies within the business organization can automate things on their own, I think that that actually saves IT time to get involved into these small nitty gritty things, right? which are still very valuable. Uh, but I think IT is always uh, short in capacity time bound on various different strategic mm -hmm. objectives. Yeah. So I think they can focus on those strategic objectives versus enable these business technologies to do more. Awesome. That's a break, great breakdown. Appreciate that, Asad. Um, we talked, or you mentioned, Asad, a little bit about AI um, and kind of, that's, that's obviously a very hot button topic and mm -hmm. something that Mark and I talk about pretty frequently on the podcast. Um, but beyond being a, uh, a very common term, how is Soligo, you know, for our customers currently incorporating AI and generative AI into our product? And what does that look like maybe two, three, four, five years in the future for the platform? Yeah. Um, so I think one thing I would say is like AI is not new to Soligo, right? I mean, we have, we've had mm -hmm. AI, we've leveraged AI uh, within our iPaaS platform, specifically in runtime operations, right? Where the product is, or that feature of AI is identifying and resolving uh, API errors and data errors automatically. Um, I think there is a stat out there where we are automatically resolving 95% of integration flows each month, right? Um, and that's allowing a huge amount of like time savings collectively across our customer base, right? Uh, so that that feature has been very widely known for our Seigo customers uh, and in the industry. Um, what we have added most recently is we've created, build out a say, AI connector where customers are able to harness the power of generative AI and reimagine a business process um, uh, and, and, and how that business process can be automated using pre-built connector from Seigo to OpenAI. So that's one connector that we have built. The other thing which we have done is we've created an AI assistant, which is basically, uh, it's, an, it's an embedded AI guidance that has trained over um, millions of successful integrations and our company's extensive knowledge base. And it's accelerating, again, time to value that I talked about, right? For developers as well as for business technology. So that's an, that's an embedded AI assistant within our Within our um, within our product right now, uh, I think we want to kind of enhance and in going forward in the future enhance these these products and these features um, more and more. So so they are able to basically um, converse in a way we can write queries within our product, ask questions uh, using OpenAI and 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 the data that is it is connected to. So it it basically is an interactive tool and can help uh, with building automations. It's too, it's not easy to think about like five years from now, uh, Jordan, but I think uh, it's something that we are, we are really focused on developing on in terms of product. Awesome, thank you. Yeah, yeah, Saad, I think, you know, when you, there's, there's a lot of people out there that hear about 
AI and they're very intrigued by it in, in like mid-market business leaders. And, and by business leaders, I don't mean technology leaders, but I mean business leaders across the board. They're, they're really intrigued. And I see I see a lot of people leaning in. Just at a conference last week, you know, arguably our biggest conference of the year and talked to hundreds of people there. And this was one of the most recurring thing themes was when it kind of moves out of the core particular problem that someone was trying to solve and they just start sort of riffing on their business. I saw a lot of people going towards this. There was so much buzz there. There's so much buzz in industry in general about AI. It's like, well, but how, and what I, what I see a lot with these mid-market business leaders is that they want to do something. They're really intrigued, but they don't know what to do. And this is the biggest thing I see was like, well, I don't know. And there's certainly a lot of embedding and existing off the shelf products that they may own or be looking at buying. But certainly I think we've seen a lot of potential outside of that. Maybe some of the most potentials when you pull the information in across multiple data sources. I'm curious to get your thoughts as as a technology leader and a business leader thought how you think about that what would your advice would be to somebody a leader like this like well, i want to do something but i don't know what to do and they're like they're certain there's a way it could help their business they just don't even know where to start yeah i mean i and i would i would uh that's a great question i think though the way i'm looking at this or we are looking at this internally me and my my team uh in terms of bringing more AI capabilities, generative AI capabilities is our, our, our approach, right? We are very clear in terms of what AI technique and AI approach could be applied to which area of a business problem, right? Or a business process. So I think I kind of, I, I've kind of compartmentalized these various approaches and how they can be either used together to automate a business process are used in a silo. I can give you an example. Today we are working on a churn prediction model, which is basically the AI ML, data AI ML aspect of overall AI, right? That's the data AI, AI, AI ML. So we, we are using some random, random mm -hmm. forest model. We're uh, understanding historically what our churn data was, how white my, my customers churned, then we are applying uh, various different AI models, ML models to it. And then we are coming up with, hey, what could we predict in terms of customers that could join? That's that's one side. Uh, we're using our OpenAI connector. Uh, again, we are basically uh, leveraging our own product here. We're using Seligo's OpenAI connector to connect to OpenAI, where we are automating a customer support use case. We are sending through massive amounts of historical data, ticket information that has come through and that the, the information that we have, knowledge base that we have to, to solve tickets that will continue to come through from customers uh, or from a support standpoint. We are basically gathering all that knowledge using a combination of OpenAI, Pinecone as a database, and then we are building out a chat bot for our reps internally to use uh, to give them the best possible resolution for a customer problem that exists, right? So some of these are, are, are conceptual. We are doing proof of concepts. We are trying to improve our knowledge base. Uh, we, are, we, are, we are getting better at uh, providing specific solutions and scoring of solutions. So, so we're trying these things out. Uh, that's basically using the OpenAI um, chat GPT, DALL-E, that kind of feature set. Right, our products. 
there are other embedded AI, right? So embedded AI is basically something like a Salesforce. What is Salesforce doing in terms of generative AI? How can we leverage and benefit from, from the work that Salesforce is doing into, in, in, in our business process? Same thing with Salesloft, Clary, and other products. So, so I've basically compartmentalized AI usage and AI application into these various buckets and trying to see where our business users and our teams, departments can benefit from. Uh, again, a few things in concept, a few things in, uh, in, in actually working model. I'm excited about like what, what potential it holds uh, for us as a company because uh, if, if we implement some of these things, we can also yeah, share our knowledge externally uh, I want to be able to like share it with our customers, uh, but uh, I'm really excited about the efficiency it's going to create internally for us. Interesting. Thank you for breaking that down, Asad. Um, for our listeners out there, um, how do a CIO and a vice president of strategy work together? Obviously, you guys know each other really well. You guys handle <laughs> different aspects of different sides of the business. Um, I don't get to be in the room with the two of you at the same time, uh, unless there's some huge conference or, or some huge Sligo event. Um, but how, how does a CIO and how does a vice president of strategy work together? And how do you guys tolerate each other? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, my, I think my job is just to make uh, Saad's life more difficult. So I just <laughs> I just stir up all kinds of problems and then and then his team's got to go, go go try to solve them. So. <laughs> Um, no, I think, I think Mark plays a big role, right. In terms of how, how our roadmap is set. Um, I mean, we, we align, uh, and, and Mark is humble also at the same time. I mean, he leads the, uh, go to market strategy, right. And, and the, and, and the specific, uh, uh, strategies within that, uh, execution of that. So I think, uh, those are very important um uh, areas of uh, of of work for the company um uh, for for growth for customer experience and all of that um the, there is a direct correlation of what mark does in that area versus how what it means for us as a technology roadmap right i think our goal is to really understand each of those strategies work with mark work with other department heads to make sure we have the right technology solution, to make sure we have the right data data solutions that we can actually deploy and help uh, achieve the help the business achieve those strategies through technology, right? Uh, so, so that's that's where we partner a lot. We want to make sure we are aligned. Our roadmap is aligned with those strategic goals. The second is, uh, I think, uh, being data driven uh, and how we use data to make decisions across the company. Uh, I mean, I as a CIO can enable data-driven decision-making, right, by providing the necessary tools and infrastructure. But I feel like the collaboration between Mark and I um, is, is, is very continuous, and, and Mark has been great at giving us inputs, giving us feedback in terms of how we can think about improving the data solutions that we have today versus, like, how uh, what the business is looking for as we continue to grow as a company. Right. So by working together effectively, uh, we can drive uh, innovative change. We can also make sure there is some discipline in terms of how we think about data, how we create data literacy across the company and, uh, and then set the organization for long term success. 
Yeah, well, well said, Asad. Yeah, and and I think you hit on a really good thing around the around the data, right? Because as we become more of a data driven company, and and we've we've always had that desire, but certainly over the last two or three years, we've really transitioned to that in a big way. You know, it it just makes you aware that we you never the more data you have, the more data you want, <laughs> and that it's it it's it's always continual. And I kind of view a lot of uh, what I do is often being on the sort of vanguard of that being like, okay, well, what the, the what if or, okay, I have a hypothesis through developed through intuition and seeing patterns. You're like, okay, well, I, this is we shouldn't run this by gut. Does the data support that? Or we see some data and it's like, okay, well, how, trying to correlate these the best of both worlds, how to leverage the best of being data driven, mm -hmm. and also leverage intuition about the business, about the customers, about the vertical we're in, and bring those together, and then and then keep keep pushing because you always need if if you think about a meeting where you're presenting something, if you're really going to present an insight you actually need way more data than you present because you actually need to go another level and sometimes two or three more levels deep to yeah. explore the whys behind it. Because I, if I present an insight, hey, it looks like X is happening or X is happening in the business, everyone's gonna be like, okay, great, why, 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 why? And it's like, oh, well, we've, we've done that and, and we've come back. So there's a there's a lot of that data work behind the scenes and that tends to push the limits of everybody because we're, we're actually trying to off, very often measure things that aren't very measurable we or maybe we haven't been able to measure it or we haven't had the access to the data so it's always um there's a there's a lot of a lot of back and forth but it pushes sort of pushes our capabilities forward um in, in a lot of different ways and, and i think that's where it's really key from a from a strategy perspective to have a good very good working relationship with the, the you know technology leadership arm of the business and those capabilities because if you don't you're you're, you're just not going to be able to get those insights or be able to trust them um it's really tricky. And now we've got our podcast host on mute. And so rarely happens, but once in a while. <laughs> I'm turning red. Um, I was just, I was trying to say, sorry, my dog was barking in the background, but uh, you know, it's, I'm just glad that I can bring you two together and I know it's my job to do so. So I'm, I'm happy you both are here and I'm, I'm happy you both get along. Um, apologies for the quick mute, but let me let me change gears a little bit. And I think this is a question perhaps for both of you, um, Asad on the technology side and Mark on the business strategy side. Um, we talked a little bit about the future of AI, and that's, uh, like you said, Asad, a little bit challenging to know what's going to happen because it's it's growing at an exponential rate. Um, but behind the scenes, I've seen some some charts and some um, some ideas and some presentations from from Mark and, and others. Um, about the future of Soligo and the future of iPass in general. And obviously, we're, we're many years past um, middleware, like we talked um, before. Um, but in the next five or so years, how does Soligo and how does iPass, um, as a business and as a kind of technology category, how do we continue to grow? How do we continue to push boundaries? And what's on the horizon for us as a business um, in terms of product, in terms of strategy? Uh, and, and in terms of everything, like what's next for Soligo? And you guys can divvy that up however you so see fit. I'll, I'll let our guest answer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, um, it's a it's a it's not an easy one, right? I mean, things are changing, as you said, uh, pretty fast, right? There are different techniques, 
uh, folks are incorporating in their own products. But I think I think we have a collective vision, uh, at least uh, at the exec level, that we are all aligned on. We want to want to make sure we see Celigo as an AI-driven automation platform for all digital transformation needs that customers can use. Right. Uh, in in one of my articles, I think I share about intelligent automation. Right. It's basically an orchestration of like various capabilities working in unison. Right. To transform a business process. So I see Celigo as central to that intelligent automation ecosystem where iPaaS plays a very vital role in connecting all capabilities together and, and then enabling that orchestration itself, right? So, and hence, like my, my role over here as CIO at Celigo is like, one is I'm advocating evangelizing the use of our product internally. My team and I are leading the way in intelligent automation, right? And how we can internally create scale and efficiency through automation and, and multiple automations, right? Again, it's centrally ensuring that we benefit out of our own product and its capabilities in, in orchestrating that, right? And along the way, we are starting to put together and also share externally some of the best practices uh, that, that our customers prospect and anybody in the industry who wanna think about Hyper automation, intelligent automation can leverage, right? I think that's very important because there's so many tools out there today that uh, become a part of digital transformation, but people don't know how to specifically, like you know, take uh, um, create efficiency in how how to use those tools, create governance around those tools, uh, versus those tools implemented in silos, not talking to each other, right? So. I think there are things out there which we can uh, continue to share. So I feel, I feel, I feel in the hyper automation, intelligent automation space, Celigo has a big role to play with its product capabilities. And since it's already AI driven, uh, I think it, uh, it it will become a differentiator, differentiator for for um, definitely technology leaders as well as CIOs and executives to to look at as an asset. Mark. Yeah, I think that I think that was a great breakdown, Assad. I I would say um, I think we're on the cusp of a massive shift in the way that the mid market and really companies in general, but especially the mid market, thinks about automation and digital transformation. Right now, there's a lot of people that would be listening to this, or I know other other opportunities where I get to talk about this and use. We kind of throw the the word digital transformation around a lot. And we're really comfortable with it, but a lot of people hear that in, in, in mid-market companies, whether they're they're CIOs, they're in IT, or they're in their business leader, or or boots on the ground, they hear that and they kind of they view it as something that lives off away, far away. That's like, oh, that's a that's a McKinsey buzzword, and and that's something for really big Fortune, you know, Fortune one thousand companies. But the reality is every business is in the is actually going through digital transformation right now whether they realize it or not every company's buying SaaS apps like a crazy pace um any company that embarks on implementing a modern erp they've just put they're in the process of implementing the core of digital transformation and most of the time they're not explicitly even realizing like oh we need to close our books faster we need more visibility into uh, a real-time financial status that they need digital transformation and they've started on that journey and i see i really see companies 
more companies, way more companies. Because right now, I think the best companies that we work with represent maybe 5% of mid-market companies out there that are really leading. And then we work with with others that are starting on that journey and and they're 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 getting some gains, but they're but they're not as broad as they could be. They they should be automating more. And we're at this cusp of that really tipping over. There will be in 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 10 years, we'll see if if you're a mid-market company and you haven't done wi widespread automation in the organization and leverage tools to a, a, a strong extent and and you know implemented these modern tools and you and you have a person that just helps automate the business as part of it it, it you you won't be a, like it won't be a successful company there'll be there'll be roles existing focused on automation that don't exist now mm -hmm. um and and there needs to be any because i see the companies that are doing that right now they have they have you know think of them as automators or builders and they go through the organization uh automating processes they become in extremely high demand within the organization and those companies are accelerating we see them and the their growth far outpaces very similar companies that are that are customers of ours that don't approach it that way they still grow but the ones that really embrace. and so i think that that all leads in a direction that this is this is only accelerated so i think it's we're really on that cusp of this becoming you know this this is the core to mid-market companies being truly successful in the next 20 years is is adopting this and really changing how they think automation is not a big company thing it's for every company to be competitive in, in a global landscape because it's it's how you remain competitive with um with a rapidly changing environment and and you know dramatically changing cost structures whether they're around labor labor global competition global supply change uh, supply chain changes all of those uh lead, lead you in the direction of, of automation to be competitive and successful yeah and i think i think your point here mark is also that automation digital transformation doesn't always have to be a plethora of tools working together it could just be an area of business process which is like you called an example about financial close automation right or speeding up the close process so that that itself could be like just like a couple of couple of products working together but the but the idea and intent is looking at the business process and understanding where efficiencies could be created so that the faster faster time to close can be achieved um, that's a great point yeah you know it's 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 interesting kind of from like an outsider perspective like let's zoom out 50 years, people typing on typewriters. 20 years ago, people are utilizing computers. Um, you know, maybe 10 years ago is is really maybe even 15, but the advent of massive level of SaaS apps, uh, essentially handling everything from calendar scheduling to finances, to automation, um, to, you know, things like that. And when people, like someone like me, who's not a technology expert and definitely not a business expert, um, think what's what's the next logical step there, there aren't a lot of answers that make more sense than a way to connect all of these different apps. And so what that shows me, and again, I'm not really the business or technology expert, but um, for people out there who might be in kind of a similar mindset to me where they're not the leaders of companies, but the ones who would be the purchasers of iPass and the utilizers of iPass is that iPass, especially when driven by AI, is the next logical step. I can't really think of anything that would be the next logical step other than, hey, we have 50, we have 100, we have 500, 
SaaS applications, what can we do next to increase efficiency and effectiveness? The most obvious, the most, the lowest hanging fruit is let's connect all these applications, have data flowing between them, have the applications talking to each other, and let's glean as much as we can from that data flowing between these applications as possible. And um, I don't know, that just makes me very excited. That makes me proud to be in this industry. And I think that's probably why both of you are in this industry, because not only it's the next logical step, but the amount of change that we can create, the amount of impact that we can have on uh, small, medium, and large enterprise businesses is unbelievable. And so I just think it it, it speaks a lot to the iPass market in general, um, and and what you know the two of you are are building and projecting in terms of Soligo as a company. Um, now that I'm done doing the we're not worthy thing to you guys um, from Wayne's World. Um, I'm going to change gears a little bit again. And I, I always talk to Mark about how our guests, when they are technology leaders, they might feel, uh, you know, regular employees might feel a little bit detached from them because they are technology leaders. And that's why I love talking to folks like you, Assad, and you too, Mark. Um, but one thing that kind of eludes me and that is not a technology leader is an engineer. Um, I don't, I, I know they work with the lights off. I know other computers have green and black matrix numbers going everywhere. Um, and I know they only drink monster energy drinks, but Assad, since you work with all of these engineer folks, um, when you're not dealing with them on a technical side of things, what are you doing to engage and inspire engineers to build products that people like me, regular business user, users, um, can and want to use? So how, how are you leading engineers to create a successful product for non-technical people? Yeah, I think, um, I think it's about uh, painting a really good picture of the vision, right? And the value uh, that the work that they're that they are spending time on is generating, right? I think it's very easy for engineers to or, or developers to be in the details of the code and wh what they're building and how they're building it and all of that, but they really need to know what's the value it's creating for the organization. I think that will keep them engaged. That will keep them motivated. Um, other than uh, so, and keep them motivated, keep them going, and do more, right? Um, other than that, I think helping those engineers get access to the right tooling so they have efficiency what with the work that they are doing, I think is, is has also been uh, for me uh, a, a differentiator in terms of like how how they spend time and how productive they are with the time that they spend on, on working on things, right? So developer efficiency is very near and dear to me and I make sure they have access to the right tools to that regenerate and help them out with efficiency. Um, other than that, I think I, I make it a point across the team that we create a fun environment. Uh, we create an environment where there is autonomy. We create an environment where people can take risks. Uh, I think that all contributes to overall overall engagement and productivity um, with 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 the work and when they come when they show up uh, to do their work um yeah I mean I think uh, I think so far so far those uh, that thinking has uh, has worked very really well 
um, again, I mean, I I want to make sure like they are like developers usually tend to be more um, uh, more external or maybe uh, in working in the background. I think my team over here at Saligo and previously has been a team where they have direct interaction with stakeholders uh, that actually helps them build more empathy in understanding the business challenge as well as you know working working harder or, or smarter to actually resolve or solve for those business challenges right because they have that empathy for on first time working with the business partner in the best of ways it sounds like you are a very positive enabler um, whether that's <laughs> of efficiency of or good attitudes i think that's real important um, we are coming close to the end and i want to give mark an opportunity to see if there's anything that he wants to wrap up with before uh, pack up and ship out anything on your end mark no the only thing i well the only thing i'd emphasize is what Assad said about getting is his team to understand the business problem being solved um and, and when i when i had development teams in in the organization that i was running at various points or, or when they reported to me directly that was the biggest thing that i always tried to get them to focus on and, and not just developers but any especially consultants is like if you don't know how the work you tie you're doing ties to the business objective of your customer you need to stop and go back until you do it because it keeps you in check it keeps you in line whether you're a developer or a consultant or you're doing some yeah you're, you're doing digital marketing work I, all, all of it you need to be really clear on how that ties to the, the objective of the customer and, and, and it keeps it acts as a check and i think that's I, I, you know that was awesome that that asad mentioned it because for me that was that was always the number one thing and, and if if ever if you go use that as a foundational um guide and you can be on an internal team you can all kinds of different teams it, it always helps provide clarity and, and directional that people kind of enables people to make their own decisions um and and go go back and do a course correction when maybe the the, the project's drifted out or their initiative has drifted out from being grounded i think something Soligo does fantastically well from a leadership perspective all the way down to even me and my role as social media is understanding what the customer needs on a business personal success level and delivering a product or a case study um, or anything that truly speaks to solving their challenging problems. And so I think Assad and Mark, both of you said that different, differently yet eloquently. And so thank you both for, for answering that question and clarifying. Um, now, before we go, I'd like to end this with one quick question for you, Assad. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, you're not just a work robot, and I say this at the end of every um, podcast. Mm -hmm. Executives are not work robots. Um, they are real people. So for those listening, um, could you tell us a little bit about yourself outside of work? What are your passions, hobbies, interests? Obviously, you have a lovely family, but um, yeah, what are, you, what are you interested in? What do you like to do? And how do you stay sane when you're not working uh, You know, 24 hours a day for Sligo? Yeah, um, I think anytime I get a chance, I, um, I I like to travel a lot, right? And I like to be out, outdoors exploring uh, what nature has to offer to us. So uh, I'm, I'm an avid hiker too. So I like to do that a lot. Um, I've uh, taken up reading um, lately um, and uh, I've read uh, a bunch of various things both tied to technology, um, um, tied to 
learning more from um, other companies and how companies like refresh when strategies aren't working and things like that. Uh, I tend to play basketball time to time to keep me in game shape, right? Uh, mostly lately, I've taken up uh, woodworking, um, uh, which uh, which now it's kind of getting a serious hobby. Uh, I've done <laughs> done a bunch of stuff with uh, with woodworking. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I will. I am proud to report you showed up with no dust uh, or wood shavings <laughs> on you to this podcast. So thank you for for that. I did not know the wood the woodworking, but that's really cool. I'll definitely have some, uh, mm -hmm. some questions to ask you, but. Um, with that in mind, Asad, as always, uh, great to talk to you. Thank you for being a fantastic guest on the Soligo Technology Leaders podcast. Mark, as always, my co-host, thank you for joining me and helping run this uh, really interesting and in-depth conversation. For those of you still listening, um, I'm Jordan, the social media manager over at Soligo. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Stick around. We'll have a new episode live in a week or two. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Bye.